scripture lesson is in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. It's found in the New Testament section of your pew Bible, page 127. Listen now for God's word. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Spirit of the living God, speak to us. Spirit of the living God, speak through us. Spirit of the living God, speak in spite of us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. Today we're continuing the series around scent and the gifts of the Spirit, and we're looking at the gift of evangelism that Philip possesses. It is, of course, a gift. What do we learn about evangelism 
in this morning's scripture. Before I get into that, I want to share with you, I think what we learn from this scripture, I think the takeaways are essential to us. They're essential for us. They're essential for the times we are living in, not only in the world, but especially in our country, in our church, and in our communities. I believe that the only way forward is through what we learn in this very morning's scripture. So if you have been discouraged at all by news and stories around you, both in your life and in the life around you, listen closely, for we have much to learn. First, to evangelize, to be an evangelist means you must learn the good news. For evangelion, the word for good news in Greek is where we get the word evangelist from. How does one share the good news if one doesn't know the good news? Now, in the Roman Empire, the good news was often shared. That word evangelion was often used to announce a major event like the birth of an emperor. In fact, there's a famous, uh, a famous inscription known as the Pricene inscription that announces the birth of Augustus. And it says, this is the Evangelion. This is the, the beginning of a new world order. This is his birthday. There was also uh, an Evangelion, the, the announcement of good news when Rome conquered and in their mind liberated a new territory. This was good news. And in the Gospel of Mark and in the scriptures that we, we are raised by in the church, we are told that the good news is in Jesus Christ, him crucified and raised from the dead. And in learning the Gospel, someone like Philip is seized by it. I love that verse 39. Maybe that jumped out, of you, out at you as well. He was snatched up by the Spirit. Snatched up. He was seized by the beauty of this story, the beauty of the one who has come to save and to redeem and to truly liberate us. So much so that when he listens to the Spirit, an angel of the Lord says to him, go, he goes. So much so that the scripture tells us that when the spirit says to go over to that chariot, he doesn't just go. The scripture says he runs. So much so that he baptizes this man who has invited him into his chariot, who by the revelation of the spirit realizes the good news is also for him. And then Philip is snatched up, seized, captivated by this story are you, are you snatched up by the story of Jesus? Philip is so in tune with the Spirit. He hears, he obeys, he goes, he runs, he baptizes, he shares the good news. He continues sharing it even when his assignment has changed, even when his location changes, even when and where and who he's supposed to speak to changes. Are you seized by the beauty of the gospel? Now, how are we open to this beauty of the gospel? We learn the story. 
This is evidenced in Scripture here in our morning's text that Philip is so familiar with Scripture that he can overhear the man in the chariot that he's approached. He can overhear the Ethiopian eunuch, and he knows that he's reading Scripture, and that when he's invited into the chariot, he knows exactly the Scripture he's talking about. And it says, beginning with this Scripture and, and going on to other Scriptures, he proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ. The reason Philip is seized by the beauty, snatched by the beauty of this story is because he is familiar with it. He's encountered it. How familiar are we with the Scripture? Now you see, I was telling you before that the times we are living in, there is no more important lesson than this. There is no way forward, friends, I am convinced. There is no way forward as a world, as a country, as a church, as a community, if we continue to focus on everything that divides us, on everything we don't like about each other, on everything we disagree on, if we continue to objectify one another, if we continue to make others exactly that, others instead of brothers, instead of sisters, instead of friends and neighbors, instead of people God is calling us to serve. There is no way forward. Because the good news of Jesus Christ is all have fallen short of the glory of God and in Jesus Christ we are forgiven and offered new life offered a new path of compassion to understand and to listen. You see, Philip listens in on what is happening in the life of the Ethiopian eunuch. If there was ever a moment for a soapbox preacher, this was it. The Ethiopian eunuch could have, uh, could have been preached at. He could have been spoken at by Philip. Philip could have gotten up on his soapbox and told the Ethiopian eunuch everything he needs to know, everything he needs to understand about Scripture. But instead, Philip asks a question. And you know what questions do? They open up dialogue. They are invitations to relationship. That is what the gospel is doing. And, and it's especially pronounced in this passage. And this is why I believe it's the only way forward. Because we are told over and over again, there's one person who's named Philip, Philip, Philip. And there's another person who's not named the eunuch, the eunuch, the eunuch. And I think that's intentional. And you know why? Because I think all of us can find ourselves in the eunuch because in the eunuch is actually a complex identity. You see, the eunuch would have been considered an outsider simply because he's Ethiopian. That word, it's a Greek word, and it literally means from another world. From another world. It means people who've been kissed by the sun from another world. They're not Roman. They're not of the Roman Empire. So Philip... And the Ethiopian couldn't be more different ethnically, culturally. But there's another difference. 
Philip is a man and the eunuch keeps getting called eunuch and, I, and it's purposeful. It's supposed to make us uncomfortable because eunuchs were considered outsiders. They weren't considered fully men in their society. So he's an outsider. But the differences don't end there. It tells us that Philip is just coming out of persecution. The Christians are being persecuted. It is very likely that Philip encounters this Ethiopian on the road as someone sort of uh, haggardly, maybe in, in ragged clothing. Maybe the Ethiopian thinks he's coming to beg for money or for help. But it is the Ethiopian who is a high court official in charge of the treasury of the queen. He is powerful. He is wealthy. In fact, he is educated because he can read the scroll of Isaiah. In fact, he is wealthy once again because he's in a chariot and he has a scroll. Those are expensive in his time and he has power because he commands the chariot to stop. They couldn't be more different. But what I believe this text is telling us is despite our differences and our divisions, despite our proclivity as human beings to otherize one another, to make one another enemies, to hate one another, to hold grudges and to not forgive, that the only way forward is the good news that all have fallen short of the glory of God and in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven to begin anew, to begin a new relationship, to begin reconciling ourselves one to the other, to begin bridging the gaps that divide us. That is what the gospel is literally doing in this text. It is bridging the divides, and I am convinced that that is the only way forward in our time. But lastly, how is Philip an evangelist? I've referenced it just a bit. He's an evangelist because he opens up the dialogue. He asks a question, and then this is this, is this beautiful moment in the Scripture. The Ethiopian eunuch invites him into the chariot. And my question for us today is, are we living a life that has others inviting us into their lives. As others seek faith, as others seek the answers to questions that plague them, that burden them, as others wonder about their purpose in this universe, what they can do with their time and talent and treasure here and now, are they inviting us into their lives as a part of that journey of faith, as part of that discussion? Are we in that dialogue? For friends, there is no private faith. Our faith can only be lived out in our words and in our actions, and they bear witness and must bear witness to the love of God in Christ Jesus, to the good news that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven to start a new path, a path of compassion, of understanding, of listening, of dialogue, of reconciliation, of forgiveness. 
He is invited into the chariot. Are we invited into the lives of people as they wrestle with faith? The gospel has such a power, this good news has such a power that even the Ethiopian eunuch, even the Ethiopian eunuch realizes, wait a minute, if this, if this God has been made flesh in Christ Jesus, then what is to prevent me from being baptized? Friends, all around us, our neighbors, strangers, they're asking questions. What is to prevent me from fill in the bank, blank? Because at the core of baptism is what is to prevent me from being forgiven, from being embraced, from being loved? What is, what is to prevent me from starting a new life? The answer is there is no past, there is no shame, there is no guilt, there is no sin that can prevent you from that in Christ Jesus. For yes, all have fallen short of the glory of God, but in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And that is good news. Philip can only be an evangelist if he encounters every day the evangelist. That is the Christ we encounter in Scripture, the Christ we encounter in service, the Christ we encounter in sacrifice, the Christ we encounter in forgiveness and in reconciliation. Have you been evangelized? Perhaps by the power of the Spirit you are being evangelized even now. On the cover of your bulletin as I end, I invite you to read. It is this powerful quote about how we think about mission and evangelism. It is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. And that, my friends, means that we're a part of God's mission. That means we are God's mission field. That means that Jesus is the evangelist. And that we are invited to encounter Jesus, the evangelist, every single day in Scripture and in song and proclamation and in prayer in service and in sacrifice, here and now and every day. Have you heard the good news? Then go spread it. For all have fallen short of the glory of God, but in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.